All right. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, Aisha, could you lead us in Fatiha, please? Everything started here. Sorry. Good. All right. So we'll begin with the the our Quranic verses. This is the place, uh, the source that we're looking at. Of, and then when we come back from that source, we'll find Surat Al Mulk. Um, now I was hoping that. Uh, our friend Salah would be able to make it. He wanted to recite for us today. <clears throat> and I, I don't think that he's been able to come here. Uh, Aisha Hind, would, would you be able to recite for us these verses from the screen? Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I can't recite. I can just uh, read oh, okay. it if you'd no, like no. me to. Yeah. Uh, I'm not prepared to recite, but I can read it. Sure, sure. Please. Yeah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. فأرجع البصر هل ترى من فطور ثم أرجع البصر كرتين ينقلب إليك البصر خاسئا وهو حسير قل هو الرحمن آمنا به وعليه توكلنا فستعلمون من هو في ضلال مبين قل أرأيتم إن أصبح ماءكم غورا فمن يأتيكم بماء معين صدق الله العظيم Thank you, wonderful. Uh, so the, a translation, I think this is mostly from Pixal. So blessed be he in whose hand is the kingdom. He is powerful over everything. The one who created death and life that he might try you, which of you is fairest in works and he is the almighty, the all forgiving. So the source that we're going to will be about death and life and this trying, uh, this assessment. It is he who has created seven heavens, one above the other. You can see no flaw in the creation of the beneficent God. Look again, can you see faults? Look twice and keep on looking, your eyes will only become dull and tired. And then the last two verses say, he is the all merciful. We believe in him and in him we put all our trust. Assuredly, you will soon know who is in manifest error. Say, what think you? If in the morning your water should have vanished into the earth, then who would bring you running, running water? Okay, so the poem that we'll be looking at uh, it seemed, as I was looking at the poem, I think that we needed to have a little bit more a direction to understand what's going on. So I tried to uh, see what I could, I could 
show you as, as a theme of this poem that comes next. And the theme is about the, the soul and then the spirit. So we all have souls and we all have a spirit overseeing that soul. But as Ibn Arabi just hinted last week in the chapter just before this one, our soul is actually the protected tablet. So this great pre-eternal protected tablet is our soul, your soul, my soul, our souls. And then as he will hint again in this chapter, the spirit that's overseeing each soul is the light of Muhammad So this light of Muhammad is the spirit looking over the soul. All our spirits are the light of Muhammad and all our souls are the protected tablet. And so the way, one way to, to begin to visualize this and to begin to see it is the shish kebab of life. And so remember when we had circles and spheres, they have points of origin. So this point of origin from the center to the outside, if all the lines are equal, that's what we had last week, istiqama. They're all then rightly tending. But if we go up one dimension, instead of a point of origin, we now have a line of origin. So my soul, your soul, your soul, in the center of my soul, in the center of your soul, in the center of your soul, is the same origin, because it's a line of origin. And so uh, this line of origin is going through all our souls, which are then the protected tablet. And the protected tablet is that, you know, capital T for the tablet, that which is written by, on by the capital P, the pen. And as Ibn Arabi says, the pen is the light of Muhammad or the first constraint and the spirit. So your overseeing, guiding spirit is the light of Muhammad and our, you and my soul is the protected uh, tablet. And so with this in our mind and heart, uh, Klaus, if you could read the poem, our first poem. I wondered at an abode she constructed and balanced with a spirit most generous residing in her, he testing her with good to see the response one ruins her by desertion, who does not work to keep her standing. So who will make whole the dissolution for my sake? Who will light upon her for my sake? He was a teacher about what had made him stand. How I wish I knew. What is it that brings her to ruins? Why did he not construct her strong and solid from the first and make her stand straight with a standing that persists, her sublime face never vanishing? She did nothing to deserve renation. So what is it that makes her more brilliant? And what is it that makes her stronger? The hand of the tester has probed deeply into us and into her. And after time, 
he returns her and then he elevates her. He restores her, that spirit, and he settles upon her throne as a message bearer. And he adorns her and has her stay eternally, Sukhna. He gives her as inheritance Eden Garden and Immortality Garden graciously. And he has her dwell in her firdos, paradisos, and too she has her garden retreat. Thank you. I, I forgot to put the translation of sukna. Sukna is when uh, the husband divorces the wife and continues to pay all of her maintenance and her house. So uh, the reason I don't translate it is because it's sort of like rent-free, which doesn't sound very classical, <laughs> but it's uh, living rent-free. And so uh, the throne, so then this protected tablet, the cosmic protected tablet, which is the throne, is settled upon by the spirit, who is Ar-Rahman, and who is also the light of Muhammad, and in, in adorned, and then staying eternally rent-free. So if you can come up with a better way of describing sukna, please tell me. <laughs> so then the first prose passage, we'll look at the, this idea of light shining as rays from the sun. And the test that we have down in the corner here, do we see the ray of light and light, life that is sustaining us at every moment? So the question is, are we seeing the life and the light which is sustaining us at every moment? So he begins, learn, God assist you, my dear friend, sincere and honored, that the life belonging to the spirits who oversee the bodies, all of them, whether based on earth, so us, or fire, the jinn, or light, the angels, is like the illumination of the sun. And the life the spirits have has a soul-based quality, so they do not emerge visibly flush against the thing, but that thing becomes alive. So here is our, the thing, the light hits it, and it becomes alive, it illuminates. And the life of that spirit emerging visibly through, flows throughout that thing, just as the illumination of the sun flows throughout the organic body of the atmosphere and the face of the earth. And in every place, the sun is visible. So these souls are lit by the spirit. When the spirit lights them, they glow. And what's between them is, is the path that they take, that the spirit of light takes. Based on this is learned who is the spirit of the universe. So he's not going to tell us, but you've got to learn who is the spirit of the universe and from whom one's life is extended from an aid. And this extended from an aid is our metaphor of the ink and the inkwell and the pen and the ink that's, that's drawn and the hand that's extended in prayer and, and asking for assistance and medet, help. And what the meaning of his exalted word is, God is the light of the skies and the earth. Then he makes a parable. A parable of his light is as if there were a niche. And this is the mural aperture. So the, the, um, the camera uh, 
where we got the word camera. It's the room that has an aperture in it. And then the light hits the back wall and we see a, a picture. That's the a first you know, box of photography. So the camera, the room, camera. And this is the mural aperture in her a lamp. And this is the light to the last of the metaphors in the Surat al-Nur, all of these metaphors one after the other. So who understands the meaning of this verse learns the, the preservation by God of the universe. This verse is one of the mysteries of recognizing God in the connecting link of the divine to the object of the divine. So there's the creator and we are the created. And there's a link, a grammatical link. We are the creation of the creator. That's a grammatical link. And there's also the link of the ray of sun and so indeed, concerning the cherished, us, the object of the divine, if not for God having placed himself in charge of our preservation forever and ever, we all would disappear. We would be annihilated at the very moment when lo, we have no guard to preserve our continuation. And if he veiled himself from the universe, remaining concealed in the unseen, the universe would be voided, a nothing. So think about the object of the light and the light, the light goes through. If there were a concealment, a veil that, that prevents the light from coming through, this body here would be annihilated because no light would be coming towards it. Just as in the movie theater, you block the projection, projecting uh, machine from the projecting screen, there'll be no movie. This is the life of the human being who is the subject of this chapter. You see, this is a chapter about iptila, which is being tested and tried. And testing spreads universally over the one's task among the weighty ones, the ins and the jinn. So testing is what's for the human being and the jinn. The others are not tested and we'll see how that works. Because the others all have essential life and we have essential life and tested life. So the mineral is ever praising God and that mineral does that automatically or essentially. But we have a life which is tested. Do we know that we are living by the living? So water is the origin of life and everything is living. So we made from water everything living. And the throne of who is in the water in order to test you, that is to assess you or say you. And he said he created death and life in order to test you. So the emergence of the spirit in the body is the life of that body. Like the emergence of the sun in the bodies lit up in which the sun appears, such as the moon. And the absenting of the spirit from the body is the disappearance of life from this body, and it is death. Thus, confluence, all coming together is life, and disunion is death, all separating. Now, when the spirit turns away from the body wholly, by his disappearance, all of the faculties disappear, as does the life, and this is expressed as death. It is just as the night comes into being by means of the setting of the sun. So when the spirit leaves, wholly, the body is without any faculties. The body that remains is mineral and to, 
perhaps this, and for a while plant and has a mineral life and that mineral life is alive and that mineral life is celebrating God, but the spirit, when it goes, the soul goes. The one who created death and life in order to test you. Okay. So that was that was death. But there's also a time when the soul uh, moves out, and but not all the faculties are are gone. So that person is sleeping, and the soul moves out in a dream. So as for turning during sleep, there is no turning away of all the faculties as there is in death. There are steam exhaling veils interposing between the faculties and what were objects of sensory perception, simultaneously with the life of the dreamer still being alive. It is like when the sun, when it is like the sun, when clouds interpose between her and a particular spot of the earth. So here's a spot of the earth, here's the sun, and clouds have come in. This is like the dream. The illumination is present, but, but there is no perception of the sun at that spot. And in the same way that the sun, when he leaves the spot of the earth and the night comes to alternate with him, he emerges visibly in another spot on earth. By his light, that spot becoming illumined. The daylight, daytime here is just as it was there. In the same way, the spirit, when he turns away from this body whose life was by him, he radiates brilliantly to one of the images, which is the intermediary membrane. So the membrane where we go when we sleep and for dreams. Then this image is enlivened in the membrane, just as he said about the soul of the faithful. The spirits of the martyrs are in green birds dangling on the fruits of the garden. And that bird, like the body here, is an image enlivened by this spirit, the one by whom this body was enlivened. And just as the sun rises the second day over us, she illumining the sights of being with her lights. So the spirit rises on this next day over these dead bodies and by him they are enlivened. This is the quickening and the resurrection. So this uh, is, the, is the process of the dream and, the, and then the process of resurrection. And learn that with the images, God created this flush against an image of a horn so the horn is the image of this membrane. So in our three dimensions, a membrane will be a single plane. Um, in a higher dimension, it, that membrane will actually, instead of being a flat surface, will be a, a voluminous surface. And the shofar or the corn or the horn is the uh, picture, the image. And the corn of, as the horn, meaning a cow's or a bull's horn, and then this is from the verse, it is God who takes the souls at death and those that are not to die during their sleep. Those on whom he has passed the degree of death, he keeps back. So the soul comes out. And if that person is going to die, the soul stays out. But if that person is to live for the next day, the soul comes back. He sends the bodies back to their bodies for a term appointed. So that's how all of this is working there. Um, we probably won't have, well, he, okay, Ibn Arabi has an argument now about uh, transmigration of souls and no resurrection. So this is an argument that comes in, in the uh, you know, 13th century from maybe ancient Greece or, or different places, uh, the transmigration of souls with no resurrection. And Ibn Arabi says, this 
view, the, 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 the error in this view, that is that souls will go from one soul to another soul, to animal souls, and if they're karmically bad, they'll go to lower and lower souls. He says, this whole picture has an error, even though it's, it's based on something that you do see in a dream. But while you do see in a dream, we depend on the messengers and the prophets to tell us how things really are. So this is the meaning of his word, in order to test you. So we've been looking at life and death is to test. That is, to assess your intellects by means of death and life, as to which of you is finest indeed. So death and life is a test, and we're finding out which is finest in deeds by digging deep and observing. So this karmical, karmic, uh, you know, descent into, into lower life forms, that doesn't work. Uh, there are no lower life forms. And so, uh, you know, animals and plants and minerals and humans all share in their having the, the celebration of, of Allah. So he takes all of this as clear evidence and he raises it as a final word, flush against his name, the living, and his name, the light, and his name, the visible, and the invisible, the first and the last. All of these names are telling us, are a final word for us, that we should learn the correlation of the universe to the universe's creator, and that the universe is not independent, and that the universe depends on God with an essential dependence, never disengaged, not for the blink of an eye and that the correlations are a perpetual property in order to perpetuate the being of the entities. So this is happening, this connection is always there. And there is no independence or going off and saying, we're going to punish you and put you in a lower life form. No, each form has its connection to its creator. And that is what sustains. And this testing of life and death Let's make sure we, we get it in here. Yet this testing of life and death is often through pain. And Ibn Arabi says, so a child who's born, the first cry is the child's first pain. And that child could die then and have had enough pain in order to learn what needs to be learned. And some people take 20 or 30 or 40 years of pain until they learn what that is to learn. And some people don't learn in this life, they have to learn in the next life. And then they will get their allotment of pain, which teaches them who they are, who their creator is. And when they know who they are and who their creator is, that is the goal of their life in this world and in the next. So this is telling us that all beings are all of them through this pain and suffering are being taken to the place where they are cooked on the shish kebab of life. So where they are perfectly cooked and perfectly completed. So all beings are being taken wherever they need to go in their own time to the place of perfect cooking, perfection and completion. And they're all being taken to that, that place. So, uh, and so that's why there are so many threats in the Quran, because the threats are one way to another way besides pain, threats are a way of having the soul begin to understand how things are. And so the spirit who is teaching the soul 
is saying, do this the right way, do this the, the directly tending way, do this the beautiful way. And so the, the spirit is, is working with the soul in a gentle way to help the soul get to where the soul needs to become. And so uh, this, so everything is hearing and everything is ready to learn, but they will all have their own time when they learn. So Bernardi references a, one of the battles. He says, do you see? The truthful one alerted us with the people of the well. These are places where the people were thrown into the well after the battle of other. And the way he answered, you, the companions around him, you are not more able to hear than they are. So they're able to hear. And he addressed the bodies in the well. Have you found what your Lord threatened you with to be true? while the bodies were dead and stinking. So the companions asked, are you calling to a people who are dead and stinking? Thus, there's not one of the created being, but it hears, but they are created innately in a configuration, preventing the linkage, uniting what they know and hear. So all is, everything is celebrating Allah and every being is, every mineral is celebrating Allah, but we don't always hear that. And the reason that we don't hear it is that is for a mercy. And that is that we are all brought in our time to learn what we need to learn. So some are brought quickly, some are brought slowly, some are brought until they have to be dead bodies in a well, and then to come out and to come out into a horrible next world, which said, had we but listened or thought intelligently, we would not now be among the companions of the blazing fire. But the moment they know that, the moment they say that, they have learned what they needed to learn. They learned what the infant said when it was first born and cried out once. It learned what the rest of us have learned in 20 or 30 or 40 years of pains and disappointments and difficulties. And they have learned that and they have then been brought to their perfect cooked completion. So the true desire is to cover over this station of hearing everything as a kind mercy to the one task. You see, there came before in his foreknowledge that they will be tasked. And so Ibn Arabi is taking this all the way to the angels who see that the human being is going to be created. And the angel says, are you going to create something which will corrupt the earth and spill blood? And this is, Ibn Arabi saying, this is something that they could only say because they were veiled. If they knew the truth and they still said this, that would be a discourtesy that is tremendous and could never be. The penalty would have been tremendous and no mercy would be bestowed on them ever. But if they disobey when the matter has been concealed and covered, so if, we, if they don't see who Adam is, that Adam is an image of, of Allah, if they can't see that, then an argument arises for them to be excused. So they can say this, are you going to make something on the earth which is going to be corrupting the earth and shedding blood? That their argument for saying that is that we didn't know, we were concealed. This is why there's forgiveness part of the kind mercy God has for his creatures. So not everyone is given to see that every mineral is praising its creator. And the reason that they're not given to see that is so that they will have an excuse 
they will have an argument for when the, when the next, when the judgment comes. And then there's forgetfulness. So they can say, you told us once, but we forgot. And that's a mercy on the part of the divine that they can have things concealed from them and have things forgotten. So forgot, forgetting is a valid excuse. So who understands the meaning of this verse learns the preservation by God of the universe and they learn that they would disappear in a moment if this connection were ever to be severed. And so the connection is ever there and there is no separation between this and that. From Mariahalete, divine beauty is never separate from all I see. The fragrance is never separate from the the flood tide is never separate on the sea. Divine beauty is never separate from my reality. Divine beauty is never separate from all I see. The honey is never separate from the cone. The servant is never separate from the So if there were separation, this, then we have, Ibn Abi will say, the reason there isn't separation, if the matter were not this way truly, that there is no separation, the creation would become isolated, independent of the imperative B, 
at every moment we are told to be and we are. And the divine pre-measuring would not expand universally over the enabled beings. No, the enabled beings would become vanished from all this. So glory to the visible who is not concealed and glory to the concealed who is not visible so that everyone will have their time when they are completed and cooked. The creation is thereby veiled from the recognition of who and who blinds them by the intense force of the visible emergence of who. Thus the creation is made up of one's denying and consenting, one's perplexed and informed, one's hitting the mark and one's missing. And so all praise belongs to God, the one who favors us with a vision such as this and shines these truths brilliantly to our sights. Then our eye falls only on who, and we lean on no support but who, la ilaha illahu, no God but who, inaccessible, all wise in apportioning. And we are tasked, and no one else is tasked but the angels, the humans, and the jinn. And that we are tasked with this life, which is the, not the essential life, but the other life that gives life and death. Do we know where the ray of light and life is coming from? And um, <clears throat> Each breath is only prayer. Alhamdulillah, each step is only prayer. All praises are flowing to Allah. Our master is Ashkin. In his ardent love we are free. Our master is Ashkin. In his ardent love we are free. Each heart is only prayer, alhamdulillah. Each soul is only prayer, all praises are flowing to Allah. So he exalted said, overseeing the matter, detailing the signs, meaning the pieces of evidence pointing to his oneness. Thus each creation, is provided an indication specific to it, pointing to the oneness of its creator. Just as the speaker says, in everything who has a sign pointing to the fact that who is one. So each creation is pointing to its creator, whether that creator is concealed from them at the moment or not concealed at the moment, because each will be brought in their time to where they need to be to be cooked. And this is where, uh, this is the chapter of when I first uh, saw it, I was so very pleased by it because it was a way of, for me to understand things very visually. So this is the chapter where this lovely passage comes about the shadow play. And we've seen the shadow play. I think that was our first slide probably way back a year ago. <laughs> if you wish to recognize the truth of what I've gestured towards, then consider the shadow play and the screen images. And who is the articulator in these images? Before the little children who are placed away from the screen curtain pulled down between them and the players of these images puppets and the articulator in them. 
The matter is this way for the images of the universe. Now the people, most of them, are these little ones for whom we set obligations. So we task them. So they recognize whence they pass over them. So where are these tasks coming from? They need to see that there are tasks, there are things I need to do. Then the little ones in this seating delight and become excited while the neglectful ones are taking it as amusement and a game. But the ones who know, they are carrying the metaphor across. So etibar is to take a lesson and to carry the metaphor across. You see the shadow play and you carry it across to what it means. Their understanding that God sets up this play only as a parable. This is why there emerges in the first act an individual who is called a describer. So this is a parable. It's, we're meant to take a lesson from it. And we are given a hint and we are given assistance by knowing that there's going to be a narrator and that narrator will say certain things. He makes a sermon magnifying God and declaring him majestic. Then he speaks about each kind of image one by one, which will emerge after him from behind this screen. So this narrator is saying, you're going to see a story. You're going to see this figure. This figure will come out and this other figure will be here and the other figure will do this. And then that will do this and this will do that. Then he teaches the group that God has set up this parables for his creatures so they would carry the metaphor across. Can you learn the lesson of this play? And they would learn that the matter of the universe with God is like these images are with the movers, the puppeteers, and that this screen is a veil over a secret of predestination ruling throughout the creations. So there's a screen here and behind the screen there are puppets and they're casting a shadow and the shadow is being watched. And that screen is the veil of predestination. It's the veil that tells us that actually Allah is doing everything, that God is everything and behind everything. And despite this, even though they had a narrator come out and say all these things, despite this, the heedless ones are taking it as mere amusement and play. Now, these aren't the sort of, you know, dim-witted kind of people. Ibn Arabi is talking about who? He's talking about the scholars of law. He's talking about the experts of philosophy, the scholars of philosophy and law, Sharia. He's saying these ones are looking at this play and they're saying it's mere play and amusement and they are dismissing it. It is his exalted word. The ones who take their religion as mere amusement and play. So Ibn Arabi is saying this play, this shadow play that we are watching, it is not mere amusement and play. It is your religion. It is the way the world is. And there are some who will take it as mere play and amusement because they're too expert, they're too scholarly to be bothered with these entertainments. It's not an entertainment. It's a lesson of how the world works. The describer disappears, that narrator disappears. He corresponds to the first sight of being among us, and he is Adam, peace be upon him. And when he disappears, his disappearance hidden from us is to the side of his cherisher. So when he comes from behind, he comes in front of the screen, talks to the children, tells them what's going to happen, and then says, and now I'll leave you to the play. And then he goes behind the curtain, and he goes to where? 
he goes back to the side of his cherisher, behind the screen of his cherisher's unseen. So this test is life and death. And the spirit who is the light of Muhammad gently guides the soul to her full goodness. In each soul's time on the shish kebab of life, some will be cooked before others, but they will all reach their cooked perfection. Oh, Muhammad, first light of eternity. Oh, Ali, whirling lion of Allah. Oh, Hassan, beauty of the lovers of beauty. Oh, Hussein, mystic moon of Islam. Oh, bright pearl of truth, living essence of paradise, enlightened lady Fatima. Oh, bright pearl of truth, living essence of paradise, Enlighten Lady Fatima. <clears throat> Medet, Medet, helper of those who seek mystic union. Ya Rasul, Allah Medet, Medet, you who unveil the unity of being, Ya Habiballah, Medet, the secret of the path is yours, the way to blessed extinction, the truth of pristine consciousness. The secret of the path is yours, the way to blessed extinction. The truth of pristine consciousness. Medet, 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 ya Rasulallah. Help us and lift us up, unveil, awaken us, refine, illumine us, O Habibullah. Medet, 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 ya Rasulallah. Help us and lift us up, 
exalt and empty us, absorb and consume us, O Habibullah. Medet, 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 Ya Rasulallah. Thank you. Wonderful. Okay. Alhamdulillah. So, thank you. So good to see everyone. Mashallah. <laughs> oh, I mean that. The first statement is mine, which is. Um, mm -hmm. I was really struck recently when my eye doctor explained to me how we're actually breathed by barometric pressure. Wow. So, I mean, which seems to tie in with all of this. And so we're breathed in. Wow. It doesn't matter if we're at high altitude or low altitude. Of course, the pressure is different, but our blood's uh, blood adjusts to it. And then it's up to us to breathe out. Yeah. So that's our role. Oh wow! Yeah. Isn't that isn't that exciting? Yeah. So it's not like in a in a in a we have to pull the air into our body. The the air is already pushing, and the right. breath is opening up to allow the air to be pushed in. Oh, how yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So, so we're that's, breathed. That's that we're breathed. Yeah. So yeah. that's the connection. That's the connection. And if we can see the ray of sun, the breath of life, and we can see that connection then we get cooked. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Wonderful barometric pressure. Nice. <laughs> okay, next comment. Still grappling with the difference between the spirit and the soul. Possible to go over it if you have the time. Yeah. So we start, well, as, as with Ibn Arabi, there's no bottom line or summary. So he'll talk about souls and spirits. And so we'll start the same way. So we all have a soul. The soul is based on the breath. So in this, and the soul in this imagery that Ibn Arabi is using today, it's the sun lighting up the soul. So the, the sun is the spirit. So when the spirit lights up the soul, suddenly you can see the soul and it's alive and it's lit up and it's light. And so uh, that, that spirit then is the lighter of the soul and the spirit and so then, and then last week he told us that these souls, my soul, your soul, and everyone's soul is the protected tablet. And so that we, we are all the protected tablet. So we have a center, an origin, a point in the center of us. And that center point is connected with the line of origin to every other person's central point. And so we were all on this line of origin. And then the spirit, he tells us quietly in this chapter, the spirit is the light of Muhammad. So this light of Muhammad illuminates a spot, which is the soul, which is a spot in the huge preserved tablet of all humanity from the beginning to the end. And that, that spot is illumined. That's your soul and another soul and another soul. And so souls and we each have a soul and we each have a spirit, but that soul is also on this line of origin with every other soul. So there is soul. And this spirit is on the line of an origin. So this everyone's spirit is the spirit who is the light of Muhammad. 
Might um, tinnitus that so many people suffer with be the, that person's way of listening to all the sounds that this creation makes? You talked about all the sounds that everything is, yeah. Right, just, yeah. You know, and I've got this kind of, you know, so it's always uh, take this away from me because Ibn Arabi says, tell, ask Allah and tell Allah, take everything afflicting me away from me. And then it's not taken away, it makes me think, well, maybe this is something I'm supposed to listen to, which means every time I'm aware of it, I hear it. And this is also, um, Ibn Arabi talks about, now I've forgotten his name, the one who's, oh yeah, Dhunanun. Dhunanun says, I hear the bee, and am I not your cherisher? I hear it every moment as, as, as if it's there right now. So the, he had creation cherisher tinnitus. <laughs> You said the souls in the well heard the prophet. Does the sheikh believe that we all are souls in the wells? And only after going through the saluk of a tarikah, we as souls come out of the well into the light of the sun. Yeah, so when the moment we've, the moment we, the only way we can look at this is a line of origin and the shish kebab. So every soul is there. So I can't say, I hope my soul does well. And I hope someone else's soul does poorly. It's all the soul. And so we're all on the same line of origin. We're all going to get cooked, but we'll all get cooked at different times. And because of that, there's certain people who get cooked early and you and I, we tend to like these people and the ones who get cooked late, we, those are the people are giving us all this hard time and all these troubles. Uh, but at, when, it, when I see it as the line of origin, then I know that these souls too are no different from me. And Ibn Arabi says in the Fatiha, there is no wrath, no anger in the Fatiha. It's all mercy. And the people who are on the end of the Fatiha who say um, that, that are have gone the wrong way and they're going to be they're going to be punished and they've gone the wrong way, what happened with them? They're the ones who say, oh Allah, give me the mercy that you gave these other people in the beginning, even though they didn't deserve it, right? We didn't deserve getting mercy in the beginning, but we got it. And they're saying, just give us the mercy that you gave those who didn't deserve it in the beginning, give it to us now. So the, every soul is saying, cook me, and make me whole and make me guided. And those souls, some will be guided early on in life through no merit of their own. Some will be uh, guided late in their life and some will be guided in the next life. But all of them will come to their time of being. I think you may have answered this next person's comment here. Perhaps those in the wells are are those who didn't get cooked in this lifetime and need the well of fire in the next realm to be cooked. Cooked meaning learning and realization. The hope is, of course, in ultimately everyone getting cooked. Right. And so that's why uh, Ibn Arabi is very clear that when the Prophet is talking to them, he's saying, did you not see, did you now understand the threat of God? Do you understand his threat? And the, the thing about threat is that threats don't need to be carried through promises will always be carried through. So the threat is that, look what will happen to you if you don't become cooked. And so the soul will either have these things happen that cook the soul, 
Or she will say, oh my goodness, I don't want to be like that. Let me change my ways now and listen to my spirit who wants the best for me. So when I listen to the spirit who wants the best for me, this is when I, I, I get cooked. I, be, I come to my time when, of the soul's realization that life and death is the lesson to say there is a creator who created me and there is no independence or moving away from him or, or leaving the creator. I am there with the ray of the sun, the ray of the light, the ray of the life and the ray of breath. Can you talk more about predestination and how us as people can also choose to disobey the predestination and treat it like a game? So the the, the first the one image he was was giving us was about the angelic situation when when the angels make a complaint uh, to their creator and say why are you going to create human beings who will certainly spoil this earth and that happened and will certainly shed blood. And that happened. <laughs> so it's not that they weren't right, it's that they were asking the wrong question and they were making the wrong kind of comment. So Ibn Arabi is saying that they were concealed from what was really happening. And so when someone is concealed with, from the truth, that becomes their mercy, that becomes their excuse. So when the time comes, it's not like they, you know, if, if I see a stone praising God, and then I turn around and act as if I nothing is, there is no God, there is no stone praising God, there's nothing like that. That would be pretty wild. That would mean, how could that be forgiven? But if I see a stone praising God and then act accordingly, then that's one way. But if I don't see the stone praising God and I don't see that the divine is everywhere, then that's my reason for continuing to do what I do. And so it's a mercy that allows me to do things that might need to be done without having that be affecting me in judgment. So there is not knowing, that's concealment, and then there's forgetfulness. So you can forget, am I not your cherisher? Well, I forgot. And so that is a legitimate excuse. On the day of judgment, we'll say, I forgot. And that's going to be a good thing. And Ibn Arabi also says that, the day of judgment is a very, there's a tense moment in the courtroom when, uh, because the, the person who is here being, I'm, I'm under, I'm getting judged right now. And God, the judge comes and, and looks at me and I look at God and I say, you know, that if God had turned to me, I would not be in this situation because God turns first and then I turn in repentance. So God turns and then I turn and everything is restored. So I, so the, the person here on the, on, the, on the chair is being told, if, is thinking, if I, had if I had been turned to by God, I would not be in this situation. And the judge is saying, if I had turned to him, he would not be in this situation. So there is a tense moment. And this is because everything has to come in its time. We're not all guided at once. We're not all completed at once. We're not all cooked at once. And because there's this difference, we then put on our own interpretations and say, oh, this person is better because they're more cooked than this person who's a bad, mean person. And the answer is that is not that. There's not a, that's not a bad person and I'm not a good person. It's we're all souls, but in different stages of cooking. Beautiful. Spirit being the light of Muhammad, which 
which being the eternally written pen writing on the soul, the tablet, am I in the right space in seeing the difference between the soul and spirit here? Yes, so the soul is, is the place where all this takes place. And, it's, and so the pen, the light of Muhammad, the pen, the first constraint, writes on this tablet. And that writing on the tablet is spirit, soul. And so the connection between the soul, the paper, the tablet, the pen, the light, the spirit, the connection is in the ink, which is called midad and imdad and assistance and hand extended and medet. So Medet is the call saying, connect the paper that I am with the ink that you are drawing with, writing with, and connect me. And so when the pen, when I say Medet, the pen writes on me, connects the ink to my soul. And now I say, now I am connected. So Medet is the call when we feel that the paper is separate from the pen. And when we feel that way, we say medet. And then with medet, the connection comes as no, the ink is coming to you and feeding you and writing you. I read that lonely people breathe out less air. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, I, we, we notice that when we have short breath or when you're not breathing fully, uh, when we're in fear. Uh, yeah, they, they, a lot of things happening with that, I think, yes. Yeah, that's something to, to look for and verify for oneself. Yeah, the different ways our breathing uh, mirror how our spiritual state is. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, in fact we, when, we feel, when we feel we don't belong, we do short breaths. We don't breathe fully. To breathe fully is to say, I deserve to live here. I deserve to be alive. I, I, I am worthy of being alive. And we take a deep breath. And when we don't feel we're, we're sure that we should be alive and that we're sure that we belong, we constrict ourselves and we want to get small. Yeah. Thank you. This Surat refers to the compassionate. How does this relate to humans having to be threatened and experience pain? And what about cruelty inherent in the nature of the life of this planet? at cruelty and stories of Sufis and Sufi sheikhs. Mm -hmm. Well, there, there, some of the stories will be there as, as lessons. And so in this, in this shadow play, there will be some drama and there will be some very strong uh, things that you know, this puppet hates this puppet because this puppet said something and they're going to fight. And so, yes, that they're going to have these things happen. And the angels themselves uh, seem to have known that there would be shedding of blood and pollution of the earth. And so this play, when looked at uh, without its meaning, is a play which has violence and, and ugliness and dramas that are awful dramas and so on, abuses and so on. Uh, when seen with its meaning, we understand that this play is a necessary lesson for the souls, the little children who are watching. So the little children watching, they can see these things and then say, I don't want to be like that. And so when the when so the, the baby at the at the breast in the in the in the hadith looks at the person who is being uh, uh, has been abused and is being uh, tormented by society and says, and the, and the mother says, don't let my child be like that one. And the and the boy says, let me be like her because she's a, a just and righteous person. And so the children can see all these things 
but then know their meaning. And so, and so it's a question of knowing its meaning. And the world and the shadow play was not created so that all the puppets would have a lot of fun on the stage and then that would be the end of it. They're there for a reason. And the reason is that they should bring out the, the cooking, bring out the, the, the completion of the souls. And that completion can be the spirit might use um, you know, the, the, the threats, might use the promises, might use gentleness, and then might use harshness. Without light, we can see nothing but light itself. We cannot see with our eyes. Can we see the ray of life other than by seeing what it illuminates? Well, yeah, that's we had to we had to zip over those passages in the slides. Uh, Ibn Arabi is saying that actually, with it, with it, the people in the well, the dead bodies in the well, they're seeing by their cherisher, and so they're seeing by God's eyes. And so, the the way that we we approach. So when we look at the projection projection machine that's that's projecting into my eyes, all I see is light. I can't see anything. I need to have something blocking it to see something. Um, but that and that's light upon light. But it is possible for light to see light if light is seen with the eyes of its or one's uh, Lord, one's cherisher. Does the soul determine the degree or temperature? which they are to be cooked in this dimension. Can it be changed? I'm wondering about people in extreme physical pain or emotional pain. Yeah, that's what I've been wondering about for years. So yeah, that's, um, I think there's still, there's going to be many, many responses to that. The way I've been wondering about it for years is that, um, you know, some, sometimes I, I can see in my own soul uh, when there is, when something that has to be learned and it's going to be learned painfully that a great amount of pain has to be there for it to learn that. And I wonder, couldn't I learn that in an easier way? And so in, in there, and I think in my own life, I can say there are times when I can learn easily. And so, and then there are times when I must, when, when the, the lesson has to come very painfully and I'm not sure, and I'm not sure it's the same soul, you know, that we're talking about. So I'm not sure why it requires different differences there. Um, and I think, and I think, if someone can learn the easier way, you know, that would be wonderful. And uh, but you see, what we're trying to learn is that ray, that connection. And so, when we do have these pains, we ask immediately for them to be removed from us. So the patience of Job is not that he put up with it stoically; it's that he he asked God to remove it from him directly, without asking any other gods or seeking any other recourse. Said so you you gave me this pain, you take it away. And that then creates this connection. And then you get this connection and the medet is there and the, and the help comes. And then at that point, when that when that's connection is there and that connection is felt, then love is felt. And when love is felt, then what the outsider might look at me and say, oh, you're going through a lot of horrible things right now. And I might be in utter bliss saying, no, that this is, I'm, I'm in utter bliss. And they may look at, oh, you're having such a great life now. And I might be completely in depression and desperate and all sorts of things. So it, it really, this becomes, I mean, that's why it's the question that, that I don't think I'm going to get an answer, even though I've been asking it for 10 years, I think it will be, it'll be many answers to it. But that's something to really watch and look at yourself. And Ibn Arabi gives us the names and the words 
of what's happening so that we can up, we can look in our own lives and start understanding it with words in a way that helps clarify things. I missed half the presentation, so I will ask a question from what I gathered. Regarding suffering, can you explain the difference between, on one hand, the suffering inflicted to prophets, saints, and some common people who are very spiritual enlightened, and on the other hand, the suffering inflicted uh, the other categories of people? Yeah, yeah, and of course, this is also a question that more than 10 years spent we're thinking about that. Um, uh, one of them is, is the, the when I always bring it back to Imam Hussein, that, that if you, because there's no more, there's no more greater pain than I can imagine, and there's no more love from the divine that I can imagine. So that's sort of, if you look at that as the, the place to study, the case study, a lot of things come, come through. One thing that comes through is that look how tremendous the pain and the suffering could be inflicted. And still this person was loving of God and loved by God. And so that changes things completely. It, it changes how I measure this whole thing. And then I begin to realize that in a sense, one of the reasons or one of the, the, the qualities of the love that the divine has is look how much this, this slave of mine, this creature of mine had to go through this and look at how much he went through without blaming me or finding anger at me. That increases the amount of love. And so if I have a, you know, if, with my children, if I see that they're going to have to go through something and, and if they go through it without saying, oh, I, this only happened because I have such a horrible father or something like that, then I would say that would increase my love. That would make me say, look how much love I can have that they went through this and they went through it and, and came through the other end without despair or depression or, or blaming. So it's, it's, it's that's, in a sense, that's, I've been using that as my case study. It's very helpful, but there's still no single word answers, but it certainly is a wonderful case study to look at. Another comment on the breath. When we breathe fully or using some simple yoga techniques, we allow the chi, prana, life force energy to circulate better, which results in better health and less energy blockages in the body and the energy field. Singing exercises and singing in general contribute to a better health too, as it involves breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing is wonderful. When I was a kid, I was a, a very good uh, cross-country runner and, and long-distance runner, and I learned very quickly how to get all the breath out, so that if there's anything stuck inside, it goes into carbon dioxide and then gives you cramps. So you really have to let all the breath out and then all in and all out. So breathing is very, very important there. And a lot of times when you see athletes before they're doing something, uh, they'll you're hearing, and it's not because they need more oxygen. It's the way to remind their body to keep breathing and, and to, to be forceful. And, and so uh, all of that's there. Yeah, so study the breath. There's no end of that. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Um, requests for gentle schooling for all. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, be my eyes that see. Is this a prayer? Is this prayer a synonym to medet? Yeah, so that makes that connection. Say that, so the sunlight is coming, the ray is coming, and you say, let me see by the ray of, of, the, of the light. And so that's see by the divine. And that's that is the connection. And if we can, if we do that, or when we do that, that is the reason 
that we're here. That's the reason that we are created, is to see this light, that it's coming, this light is coming to us, this life is coming to us, and to see that it that I am not separate, that I'm connected to that, and that I see by that light. Um, so the stones and the, and the plants and the animals, they're very much superior to the human beings because they already know these things. So they already know those. But the rest of us who are not minerals and not plants, we don't know those things. And we have to learn those things. Can we be fully cooked in some parts of our being, some qualities, divine names, etc., and undercooked or raw in others? Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's, that is the way things go. And uh, what it, what it's, what the beauty of that is that you can always find that part to go to, to work with the other parts. And uh, Baki always talks about that as the true self. If you can go to the true self, which has seen these things and knows these things, then you go to that and the other parts of the body then begin to respond. And the other parts of the soul begin to say, yes, that did work, it is true. And so that's going to that, that true self and the special face. Rumi says, my life can be summarized in three words. I was raw, I got cooked, and I got burnt completely. There you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's the shish kebab of life. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> um, and Issa's words, oh, Lord, why have you abandoned me? And singing helps with apnea. Aha. <laughs> uh <-huh>. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, I've, Rahmani, our, our, our friend here who is studying Aramaic, uh, says that there's there's something very, there's, she's learned a lot about that one uh, verse from the Bible, that one statement. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask her about that. I'll learn more about that. And then singing helps with apnea. Any, singing is also the way to remind ourselves to breathe. And you only sing when you're comfortable in your body, comfortable in your environment, and you're not tight and constricted. Yeah. And singing helps with everything. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. Yeah, um, singing, singing and movement, all of that. That's we're, we're we're built that way. Let's do that. <laughs> do animals do animals know it too? You said minerals and plants know the light connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's mineral, plant, animal that it not be used. You know, those those three, and that their superior superiority to us is that they know these things. They have essential life. They know essentially that where their life comes from. They are intelligent and they are articulate. They are articulating their celebration, their tasbih, and these are all things that we learn. And so when the soul leaves the body at death, the body stays as it always is a fully knowledgeable, fully praising mineral. And then the soul is off on its own adventures. Mm. I just wanted to add that suffering is not a punishment, but compassion, as indeed we often portray God as a punisher. God does not punish. He, she only loves us. Yeah, and that's why uh, the word adab in Arabic, I'm often using the word torment. Um, and, and then because when Ibn Arabi first talks about torment, he talks about in Surah Al-Baqarah, those who are tormented because they can't see the truth and they don't hear the truth and there's a, a veil over their eyes and all of that. And Ibn Arabi is saying, these are the ones who are most beloved by God. And so they are, they are they're veiled, their eyes are veiled, so they see nothing but God. And so, and they have, they will have a torment because their lives will be very difficult. They're very difficult because they're, there's, there are 
they are made for God and they are special to God and they are the special, the, the, the greatest and they, they, will, they will have a difficult life and they will have a tormenting life. And then torment, the other word for adab is that it then moves into udab, which is the same root and torment then goes into sweet water. So Ibn Arabi says that it's torment until it's sweet water. And so it's the, the thing is, is the same. It's when you, you move from torment to sweet water, the thing hasn't changed. And he says that in the hellfires in Jahannam, there is no one torturing anyone. There is no angel, no being, no God, no nothing torturing anyone. That the pain and the torment is all self-generated. So we generate our own uh, torment. And that torment is I'm alone, or it's either arrogant torment, like I'm God, therefore this should be the way things are. And it turns out I'm not God and that's not the way things are. Or it's I'm alone and no one is helping me. And so the, that anxious anxiety, that, that is the torment. And the moment I say I'm not alone, that I have not been abandoned, is the moment then the same torment turns into sweet water. So nothing outside of me has changed it's, I've suddenly seen that what was torment is actually sweet water. Beautiful. Assalamu alaikum. Could you please shed some light on seeing one's true self according to Ibn Arabi? So, yeah, well, that, that's, that's the whole futahat of yourself, that 10,000 pages or 12,000 uh, to see the true self. So these are all, they're all of the practices that we do. Uh, and perhaps the foremost practice is gratitude, thankfulness. So when we're thankful, uh, we are watching. We are watching our true self. We are seeing who we really are, because we know who we are thanking, and we know why we are thanking. And that moment that we know who we're thanking and why we're thanking, we have realized and we have understood who we really are. We truly are. So thankfulness is probably the best practice to work with. That's the daily practice of finding all of the things that you're grateful for and why you're grateful for them. And then that brings a virtue, uh, virtuous feedback or whatever it's called, uh, because God says, I am that God is the one who is intensely thankful of us for doing things which are good. So when we do more things which are good, God thanks us. And when someone thanks you, you do more of that. That's just basic hospitality. When someone gives thanks you, you want to give them back something. You want to give them more. So God thanks us for doing good thing in a way telling us that I'm thanking you. And then I have to say, I did a good thing. I now need to do another good thing because God was thankful for me doing that. And then I have to do another good thing because God's thankful for that. And that's the, the way that I get moved into doing good things. Uh, another perspective on to see our true self, we need to embrace our shadow self and keep polishing ourselves with love to the self. Mm. Yeah, so that's, that is, is this the idea of contrast that you see things more clearly when they are, when there is a contrast. And so uh, if I deny and don't look at the these these dark parts or these negative parts then i won't be able to see the positive parts or the light parts and so that's why we don't want to hide deny um and uh and not recognize uh, you open our eyes our eyes fully and that's also non-judgmental that when we look at the soul we need to look at the soul and say only show me the good parts and i don't want to look at your bad parts 
not the way that we want to look is with love, which is show me my own soul. I tell my own soul, show me your all yourself. Let me see your weaknesses and your strength, what's lovable and what's not lovable and see it all. And then if I see that with love, without judgment, then all is visible before me. Just the way that if someone is listening to me who loves me, I know I can say all of the things I need to say, not just the things they want to hear. Thank you so much, Shuabe. That was beautiful. We're so grateful. Thank you. Alhamdulillah. So it's good to see everyone. And uh, may we all have a blessed day with lots of gratitude. And that's a very good practice for us all to always be doing. <laughs> so good to see everyone.